brand that connects with empathy establishes trust, communicates that, hey, we care about you. It's not just about the dollars. It's about the impact. It's about how we serve. It's about uh, the difference that we make. Welcome to your personal branding podcast with Bernard Kelvin Clive, your number one career and business podcast in Ghana, bringing you expert interviews and insights into personal branding, personal development, and publishing. Now, here's your host, Bernard Kelvin Clive. All right. Welcome to the edition of your personal branding podcast. This is Bernard Kelvin Clive here. My special guest today is Mike Zeller. Mike is a coach and a speaker who's helped lots of entrepreneurs and businesses. What I use the word from move from zero to hero and brands globally. Mike, welcome to the Personal Branding Podcast Show. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me on and cannot wait to dive in. As a pleasure, I treasure. Mike, let's delve right into the subject of the day. COVID-19 has taken organizations and brands by surprise globally. No organization was prepared. No brand was prepared for this. We are hardest hit. The first thing is, what do brands do in times of crisis like this? I think the first thing a great brand or a great leader of a brand does because every brand is led by a leader. I think you've got to connect with empathy uh, with your audience, with your customer base. A brand that connects with empathy establishes trust, communicates that, hey, we care about you. It's not just about the dollars. It's about the impact. It's about how we serve. It's about uh, the difference that we make. So a great brand becomes more human in the midst of this. Like I've seen a lot of my uh, good friends and one of my business partners, he's given away millions of dollars worth of product in the midst of these recession, the, the pandemic. And that built his brand at another level by thoughtfully giving away product to first responders and other people in need uh, in the midst of this. So the first most important thing that brands and business need to do is to be human, to show empathy, care, and love for their client and customers, right? Yeah, and, and even their broader community. It doesn't necessarily have to be their customers, uh, but how are they showing up? Because at the end of the day, a great business is here to serve the world and make the world a better place. So when people see that, they connect and they resonate, and they're like, all right, you're a brand or a company that is trustworthy. Okay, so you go beyond your your normal audience and target. Just show empathy, care to the world. It's like you're here to serve people, not just to uh, accumulate wealth for yourself or for your organization. So how can you help people in time like this? That's why I think that we see a lot of organizations go out, going out their way to donate things and also give money to support uh, uh, people who are hardest hit in, in times like this. Exactly. Yep. Okay, so that's the first thing. What other thing can brands do? One, by showing care and support and being humanized, what other things can they do? I, yeah, great question. I think if we go and, and revamp our story and our message, you got it. This, like, it, it's almost like if, if you've ever fished, you know, the fish move 
from like there's mm. little fishing holes and then they move to another fishing hole like the fish that were there yesterday are in a different place well there's still fish out there like people are still buying people are still needing services but what they're buying and what they're eating or what they're desiring is different so you gotta you, you gotta adapt and test right now it's if you're not gaining traction with what you're offering it's a great time to test and and try out some different fishing holes try out different offers try out different products try out different brand partnerships i'm seeing a, a lot of uh, value innovation right now where companies and individuals are partnering and collaborating uh when they wouldn't have before like six months ago they would you know 90 days ago they would not have collaborated the way they are and so you go and find you're creating new value propositions in the marketplace. Okay, so the organizations of brand need to adapt and basically understand that this has come to stay or has come to disrupt the system already. So you must adapt to it that now organizations or business have gone virtual and things are affected. So adapt to this, accept that this has happened, then try new things, test the market. You may need to try new products or services for the market and also look at partnership, uh, how you, you can partner to bring more value and uh, to uh, people or to the world. Yeah. And you look like, all right, Facebook has created meeting rooms in the last, like they've released that in the last few months. Now, I don't know how many people are actually using it, um, but they saw, hey, boom, we're going to have this explosion of online growth. And they probably already had it in the works, but it became much more timely and relevant. Um, I've had friends that have done, you know, on the social media side, they've done joint Instagram lives with other, like, uh, my buddy Colin Wayne, who has a, a big e-commerce store. He did a joint Instagram live with an actress, uh, Hollywood actress named Megan Fox, who also cares about veterans. So they do this big, uh, kind of cross promotion giveaway to give away $2 million worth of product to veterans. And, and that got a ton of eyeballs and a ton of press and a ton of reach because they were, it was a joint venture that they would not have done maybe six months ago. Wow. That's amazing. So, um, Mike, um, one of the things you do is to help organizations and individuals to uh, align their, their personal journals or purpose to that of the organization. So let's look at a, a, a picking an individual brand. How do they align their purpose to a corporate organization, especially if they've been hired to do so? Good question. Good question. So may, let me make sure I understand the question right. So how do you align the organization with the individual? And how do they align the personnel, the CEO align his personal purpose or general mission to that organization so they can serve them well? Good question. I think it's. I think it, it begins with a look. A little bit of a discovery and attunement. So to, you know, the CEO, if he has a mission, let's say, uh, develop leaders. Like if you think of Jack Welch in GE back in the 80s and 90s, considered the top CEO of, of that decade, of about a decade of, of a period. So Jack Welch really loved leadership development. The organization, GE, wants to become the number one or number two product, uh, you know, number one or number two in every category that's in. And obviously they have a big desire to uh, build wealth for shareholders. Um, 
So, you know, not every leader, you know, most leaders are, were not as focused on leadership development as Jack Welch. Jack Welch loved it. That's, that's one of the things that his lasting legacies is he built this whole leadership school and leadership institute and all that. But that, so he, he got to fulfill his purpose while helping the organization fulfill their purpose. So mm-hmm. it, it comes from appreciation of both ends. Now the shareholders had to give him, um, you know, the, the owners of the company had to give him autonomy to be able to lead the business in a way that would energize and fulfill him while fulfilling the mission and the purpose of the organization. So, you know, it's a twofold thing. Jack is there to serve the organization, but the organization is also there to serve him and as well as all the other employees, right? Like an organization that does really well empowers team members to make a difference, empowers team members to live out their personal mission with enough autonomy and freedom that they, you know, their work is a reflection of their mission to some extent. You know, and so I, I think you, you can see that on small businesses and big business levels. Absolutely. It's a, a little bit of extension of yourself in the way you empower people or you help you lead teams. Now, Mike, at this point, you've helped organizations and business to make millions here and there. And I mean, that. Uh, what are some of the key mistakes you made along the way and what are the lessons we need to pick from that? If a startup uh, organization is listening to us, whether individual or slowpreneur, you made it. Uh, you made some mistakes along the way. But what can we learn from your mistakes or to also help us master uh, doing business? And stuff? I don't know if you have time for three or four more podcasts, but I, I got a lot of mistakes. but i can help (laughs) but um some of the some of the ones that jump off the table um first um you know i at times i partnered with people um that were not fully aligned and i didn't end partnerships quick enough so when you know a relationship is not uh, aligned long term the sooner you can end it or the, the sooner it's once it's served its purpose, it's time to time to let it go. Otherwise you're holding on to dead, dead weight. Um, and so I, I, I've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, not millions of dollars personally, because I held on to partnerships and relationships too long because I was too loyal. I do believe in loyalty, but you also, as a business owner, you got to make those hard decisions to cut ties when it's not a good fit anymore. Secondly, um, not playing in my zone of genius and not having the right people in their zone of genius. So, you know, if you've got uh, a few key roles in an organization that are disproportionately valued, like really super valuable, and you don't have the right people in the right spot, you know, it's that right buses in the right seat, or the right, right butts in the right seats, um, man, you, you, you can suffer. And I've lost, lost a lot of money from that too. Um, and it's been painful because I, I stayed too long. Like when you start a business or grow a business, if you stay too long playing in the wrong position, like I'm really good at starting things. I'm good at growing things, but I'm not good at managing things. I'm not good at administration. I'm not good at operations. And, and I'll create chaos there. But if I stay in those, 
But if I'm managing the operations and managing the the administration, there's a lot of stuff's not going to get done right. So, um, and I didn't have the right team members or the right executives or right business partners for those roles for like a CEO or, you know, business operations role. Uh, you know, I, I ultimately, that was a, a falling point and sticking point for me and my entrepreneurial career where I made some mistakes on that. Yeah. So the first thing is about partnership, maybe aligning with the wrong people who are, who can, who are unable to help the business grow too. And, and the other thing is uh, maybe hiring rights, getting the key people who, who can uh, help in, term, in areas of your weakness in, in business management or getting the right team to lead. These are some of the things, the mistakes that you made along the way that you lost some money in, in, in building your business. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Big piece. And, uh, and, I, and I'd add a third thing, which was I didn't market. I didn't keep my marketing going consistently. That's the third thing. And so I didn't have a consistent lead flow, and that really hurt me. Oh, okay. So you need to consistently keep marketing. I, I think let's dwell here a little bit. How do you keep on getting the wheels of marketing running as a startup entrepreneur as you grow? How do you keep on not just stopping but consistently market? What are the, some of the things that you need to do so that you grow your business rapidly? You know, I think once you find once you find the uh, the fishing hole that has some fish that are biting, then in today's digital advertising world, I mean, marketing online, when you find that arena where, you know, you have leads coming in and you have people coming in and it's working, then you just, you just double down. You add, you uh, work on making that ad even more effective. You spend more money, you acquire more leads, you, you scale up, but if you turn off the automated lead gen, then now you're dependent on luck, you're dependent on referrals, <laughs> you're dependent on a lot of things that don't automatically happen. A lot of people or mentors or coaches talk about lead generation as a powerful tool in doing business in this age. Are there any ways or best ways to create lead generation for your business, even if it's offline? I mean, there's a myriad of ways. I think you've got, you know, first you choose your traffic channel, like where where does your audience live? Well, even before that, you choose your ideal customer avatar. Then you go and start trying to discover where are they? Where are they hanging out? Who do they trust? What influences do they respect? Um, you know, and then how can you get in front of them as a trusted source. So you might be running Facebook ads, you might be running, you know, in our country, in the US, YouTube ads, Facebook ads, even LinkedIn or Instagram ads, Google ads, um, like email, you know, who, who else is promoting a, a product or service to your ideal audience that you can partner or collaborate with. And let's say they have 20,000 emails in their database that represent your target audience. Well, how could you do a joint venture where um, for every, uh, like you get featured in their email a few times and then every lead and deal that comes your way, you give them 20% or 10% of the sale. You know, then that's a very profitable exchange and it adds more value to that, that uh, you know, that new customer that they wouldn't have had or otherwise. So... 
that's that's one of the things. So like figuring out what's your channel, then what's your customer, your channel, your offer, um, and uh, you know the big piece of what you got to do is what's it look like to create an irresistible offer? Your ideal, your ideal customer, you want to make it so easy for them to say yes. So how do you make your ideal customer almost like fall over saying, hey, this this is well worth it? And there's there's a bunch of different ways you can do that. Um, that's one of my favorite uh, subjects as well. Okay, Mike, I wanted to do something unusual in the next five, ten minutes here. Someone Great. might be listening to us. Um, we have no idea who the person is. But let me just uh, paint a picture. Then you can walk us through by what you said. So this lady called maybe Mary. Mary has a passion to help people who want to lose weight. So she's a, um, um, a health, it's a nutritionist. Okay. And she studied, uh, how to use keto diet to help reduce weight. Now her ideal clients, she's looking at, uh, um, middle class individuals who are bees and she wants to help such people to lose weight. But firstly, she doesn't know if her fault is Facebook. She doesn't know whether she can find their clients on Instagram or on, still on Facebook or, or Snapchat or whatever. So walking us through your process, how can we help uh, Mary with this to find her, to fine tune her ideal customer to the right channel to uh, prepare an irresistible offer to get them hooked in or to form partnership to help. So we are going to solve a, a brand problem right online in the next five minutes. Can you help us? Do that? I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Great idea. So here's what I would do. I would say, Mary, identify five to ten of your ideal prospects, who you think you want to help and who you think you can help. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Direct message them um, and do interviews. Do what I like to call a discovery call where you, you've got 10 to 15 questions that you're going in depth, asking them, um, detailed questions about who they are, what they want, where they find themselves stuck, what the problems are that they want solved, all those things. Ask them that and ask the same, like do it ideally at least five, if not 10 or 15, uh, interviews. And then from there, now you'll have a much deeper understanding of what your customers actually care about. In one of those questions, you also ask, "Hey, what what is it? What would it be worth to you to have this solved?" So they'll tell you actually what they would be willing to pay. Once you got that, now you say, "All right, let's say Mary is talking to Sarah. Sarah, such a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and your insight. I really, really appreciate it. What I would love to do is, if it's cool with you, I'm gonna as I get more feedback from everyone." I'd love to come back to you and share what I've created based on your feedback and the feedback of others. Would that be cool? And Sarah will probably say, yeah, that'd be great. Because she felt heard, she felt understood. You were asking her the questions. Your customer, if you do an in-depth discovery with them and you listen, not just to what they say, but what their heart is seeing, what their feelings are, what they care about, um, what they're saying in between what they're saying, she will tell you how to sell her and she will tell you what she's willing to pay. And then you come back and you just present it. Hey, this is the problem. You know, uh, this is what you want. This is the problem that you want to solve. Here's the solution. 
here's how I'm going to solve it. Here's the plan. In other words, here's here's the heaven if you do, the hell the hell if you don't. And then this is the transformation at the end of the day that you'll find after we do this 90-day program. And you just present it and and reiterate in her language, in the words that she actually used, the more you use the language that she actually used, the more likely she will say yes. And so uh, that's that's the basic blueprint. You know, of course, you use, you, you know, in terms of psych, other elements, you'll use, like, social proof. You'll use um, risk removal, like you'll offer her a guarantee. Maybe you'll value stack where you have, like, nine different things that you're doing for her um, for this price. Boom, boom, boom. All those other, you know, so it's like uh, it costs uh, for Sarah, the value is like $6,000, but it's only going to cost her $1,000. She signs up today. You know, you use scarcity, risk removal, scarcity as in, hey, um, scarcity of time. I've got spots for five more people. Or, you know, next month the price is going up by 200 bucks, whatever. Um, so those are the levers and that's the process. And then at, at the end of the day, you're solving a real need and a real desire that Sarah has. And you're just providing a solution. So selling at its highest level should be serving. Selling in the highest level should be serving. Exactly. Awesome. So you should look at how or ways you can serve people. So uh, the few things that I point I picked up from um, the blueprint you had uh, illustrated is that uh, the client, or Mary in this case, in our case study, needs to just list about five ideal customers or client avatars, then find where you can get the person. So if it's Instagram or Facebook, then go interview them, engage them, should really listen to them to discover their pain points and find out what their needs may be. And you go back to prepare uh, solutions to that. And, and by using their own language, uh, so they can build a rapport, then in, in, in what you're packaging, as you interview about five more or different people, you present to them your solution, your offer, and your guarantee using their language and showing them value stack, what you're going to offer them, and throw in some marketing strategies there. With this, you're sure to at least get their nod for them to enroll in the things that you're offering. Am I right on that? Exactly. You listen pretty well, my friend. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Great. So our virtual person who will be listening to us now, work with this. Let Mike know that you just use this on this podcast episode and you got XYZ result. Let us know. Shoot Mike a message. Send me a message also on, on, on regarding this episode that this particular session has helped you do this. Mike, in, in regard to that, how do you then ask for referrals? Now we'll be able to solve Mary's uh, problem for her. How do we ask for Mary for referrals? At what point do we ask that, okay, can you recommend my product or my service or my brand to XYZ? What are the key areas or when should we do that to grow our business? Love it. Uh, I think you should do it right away. First conversation, first meeting. That conveys confidence. That conveys that, hey, you know what? Um, I can help you. And I can help others. And I'm committed to living my mission. I'm committed to serving the people I'm called to serve. I'm committed to making a difference. 
with my brand, with my business, with my product, with my service. So um, I do it. You never want to do it before you have rapport and before you have trust. But once you have rapport and trust and the deeper that rapport and trust, the easier it is to do that. So you want to ask, hey, um, you know, uh, at the end, Sarah, Mary would ask, Sarah, I'm so excited to connect with you more and looking forward to working together. But before I forget, you know, my mission is help, you know, 30 people, 30 women a year lose 100 pounds a piece or whatever it is, right? Um, I'm curious, who else would you know that might want some help on body love, self-image, and just getting getting the, the body back that they, they've always wanted? Who would you recommend? So you ask that towards the end, and you've got rapport, when you've got trust, and you use who, not do you know anyone, but always who, and you you frame it, and you kind of give them a few hooks to, to work with, and more than likely, she'll give you a few answers if you've got rapport and trust. Mike, this is getting exciting. Um, you mentioned one key thing. So you say you, you don't ask uh, um general question per se but you ask who that is specific person so that, so that the person will be compelled to find someone uh, who he or she can say this person also may need that service so you ask who right exactly uh, are, are there any other hooks that you can throw in for us in terms of getting I mean people to you know help in, in terms to get them committed to, to bring in referrals? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I think on that, one of the other things that I love to do is if they're going to introduce me to someone, I'm like, beautiful. Like when Sarah, Mary says to Sarah, you know, and Sarah says, yes, you need to meet my friend Brittany and my friend uh, Tamisha. All right? So, beautiful. Then if I'm Mary, I'll say, well, you know what I'll do? I'll send you a quick little snippet about me like, you know, that I've helped, uh, you know, a hundred women lose a hundred pounds in the last two years. And that's my specialty. That's what I love to do. And I'll send you that little snippet. And that way, when you introduce me to Tamisha, you can say, Tamisha, I want you to meet my friend and coach and mentor, uh, Mary. Mary has helped over a hundred women lose a hundred pounds. She's also been featured on Fox and CNN and all these other magazines. And she's a joy to work with. So if I'm Mary, I've given her the language. I've given her the script. I've, I've framed it in a way that looks makes Sarah look like a hero, makes Sarah look like she's providing something really valuable to her friend because she is. And it's a value for us both. You know, at the end of the day, both of us win. If I help Tamisha out, Tamisha loses weight. She feels great. Um, and I get... Uh, to do my mission and I get paid for it. So I'm going to provide the script and I'm going to be confident about that because I'm going to remember that I am a person of value and that my services are esteem. My services are valuable and important. So I shouldn't neglect those. Oh, so, you, you mentioned this and I think let's look at this until end of this that how do you then, as an entrepreneur, as a coach, as a speaker, as a mentor, uh, build the confidence in the value that you offer? You know, the, the other, others may be offering the same services, um, but 
they are charging right, but you may be offering the same services and may be undercharging, always undercharging. So how do you build yourself up to that confidence, that level, and tell maybe Mary or tell Sarah or tell XYZ, okay, now my rates are XYZ now. You know, how do you do that to move from zero to 10, from 10 to 100? Mm-hmm. Good question. So that is one of the biggest challenges, right? So many of us undervalue our services and undercharge, myself yeah. included. I've been guilty of that before. But what you do is you keep on gradually raising the rates. And so you might say, if I'm married and my rates are a thousand a month and I want to get up to 3000 a month is what I really feel like they should be. Let's say it's June and I let my audience know, I let my friends know, Hey, I let my clients know starting July 15th, my rates are going up to 500 bucks or going up to 1500 bucks a month. Um, but eventually, and you even put a target date, you know, target rates are $3,000 a month effective January 31st, 2021. Okay. So now people already know you've already pre-framed it, but we, we don't grow. It's like when we were kids, we didn't go from like, you know, a little baby that can't walk to a teenager all of a sudden. And we grow, grew over like 16, 17, 18 years. Right. Same thing in business. So that's why you want to incrementally increase as you feel more and more comfortable. Right. And feel confident. You want to stretch just a little bit beyond your comfort zone. If I stretch you too far on the price point or anything else, you shift from, from, uh, discomfort to paralysis because fear just overwhelms you. And you don't want to be in that paralysis zone. You want to be in the discomfort zone, not the paralysis zone. Well, so you, you look at incremental, uh, gradual raising of your rates, not instantly from, yeah, let's say, a, a, a thousand to like 50,000. It's a gradual. And if you have existing client or customers, you can just notify them that starting from whatever month or whatever date, the price going a little bit up higher. So in that way, you're able to build your confidence gradually to be able to get the, 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 the level that you feel that is really your worth or that you want to exchange your services for. Exactly. Yep, spot on. Mike, as we round up, as an established entrepreneur or helping brands and individuals, what would be your three key take-home actionable things you want listeners to do right after listening to you? I would say if you're an entrepreneur or business owner, first thing, create a kick-butt discovery Set a kick butt set of discovery questions and do it really well because 70% of the sales is on the discovery call and on the interview or what others might call the interview. Because then you get to find out, understand what they need, what they care about, how they want their problem solved. And you can figure out, hey, am I the person to do it or is someone else better suited? Um, so that's first thing. Second thing, I think. Invest in a coach or a mentor. Get yourself in a tribe. Get yourself um, in environments where you grow and you level up. Like I saw you've got some courses. You've got programs. You know, those type of things. The growing and learning is the single best thing you can do as a business owner. The people that never stop growing, uh, their future is the brightest. Like they, you're, 
your ceiling continually expands. And then third thing, help someone else out. Find ways to creatively support other business owners, other career, you know, other people in the working world that you want to help, that you find are generous, that are worthwhile of investing in, that you see have, have a bright star. It, what goes around comes around. And Zig Ziglar used to say, hey, if you help enough people in life get what they want, you'll eventually get what you want as well. Right. So be devoted, making a difference to helping others. It's a joy. It's meaningful. It's be a super connector, like someone who's going out of their way to make connections for others. Because then people will be thoughtful and want to help you connect with others as well. Awesome. So these are like three things you must do right now. Increase your discovery rates. Keep on, I mean, digging deeper. Then invest in mentors and coaches. So keep learning and learning and learning. Then three, uh, help someone else. Just support others and make more meaningful connection, helping more people uh, to do well. Then it will come back to help you and your organization, your business. Exactly. Yep, 100%, my friend. Awesome. Mike, what would be your billion-dollar advice to the world? Solve a billion-dollar problem for humanity. <laughs> Solve a billion-dollar problem for humanity. And that oh. me, that could that could mean that you provide one dollar worth of value for a billion people. New people. Mm-hmm. You can make chapstick. You can make, uh, you know, a better screw. You can make whatever uh, a little widget. Um, but you get in in front of a billion people, you made a billion dollars. Amazing. Mike, where can listeners get in touch with you to hire for coaching, consulting, anything? Where can we connect with you? Probably the best spot is MikeZeller.com. So that's my website. You can reach out to me there. Also, Michael R. Zeller on Instagram, Michael Zeller on Facebook and LinkedIn. That's Z-E-L-L-E-R. Is my last name, and I uh, would love to hear from some of you guys. And let me know what impacted you, uh, what you liked about what we shared, and how I can serve. Awesome, thank you. So you go to MikeZella.com, connect with Mike, and let him know how this episode has helped you. And if you need his services, to you can just get him on his website or social media. Mike, thank you so much for uh, the insight shared and the wisdom shared. We believe that listeners will find this really well resourceful and take action on that to help their business and their brands. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on, Bernard. And um, not wait to connect with you. As a pleasure, I treasure. I love that okay. phrase. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Mm-hmm.